Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Today we're going to learn how and why we're able to pray in the Spirit. That's what we're going to go through today. The why and the why, the why of why, did, how, what it all, what's all transpired here? What's all transpired? Here's what the syllabus says. Praying in the Spirit. When we pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit takes our prayers and perfects them before the Almighty. In other words, He interprets what you can't say. The Spirit of God interprets what you can't say. The Holy Spirit prays within us when we cannot utter a word and gives us utterance. Now, let me define that for you. There are different dimensions of praying in the Spirit, but we're going to be talking about praying in tongues. Don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. If you have never been taught why people do that, you came to the right church, you're going to learn and understand and know it's not a weird thing. It wasn't for something in just the Bible, in the book of Acts which happened a number of times throughout the scripture, but God still pours out his spirit today like that. All it is, is God bypassing your brain where your accumulated words come out and go straight to your spirit where he comes right through you and speaks what your brain doesn't know. It is literally your spirit, man, speaking on your behalf. With God's help, the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. The Holy Spirit prays within us when we cannot utter a word and gives us utterance. How to pray? To pray in the Spirit is to build unity in the body of Christ, which is true. When we pray together corporately, something happens spiritually and lives are changed. When you are praying in submission to the Lord our God in Jesus Christ... The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit within you will testify to himself in his word, in our prayers, and even to those other believers believers praying with us. In other words, praying in the Spirit builds up everything, even what you read, what you understand, relationship with others, and your assignment. Praying in the Spirit is God's secret weapon to the church. These things and so much more or ignited by the power of praying in the Spirit. We're going to learn about how this all took place and what God did to make this happen. Are you ready to learn this? Will you stand to your feet? We're going to read Hebrews chapter 9. and That was a long pre-introduction. Well, let's stand up together. You stood longer for popcorn. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 9 verse 1 says it like this. That first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. Now he is speaking of the temple, the tabernacle, which was a system that God put in the earth for us to worship. If you've been here for any amount of time, we have taught you this and helped you understood the tabernacle or the temple. Go back on our podcast, download our app if you would like to review that. But there are two rooms in that tabernacle. There were two rooms. In the first room was a lampstand, a table, sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Everyone say holy place. 
there was a curtain. Everyone say a curtain. And behind that curtain was a second room called, everyone say, the most holy place. Now, emphasis is most holy. The first place was holy. So it described the tabernacle in the inside where the priest would go to the holy place, the lampstand, the altar, the bread. And then there was a curtain there or a veil. And then behind there was the most holy place or the holy of holies. In that room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which we know have learned throughout the years, really, and throughout your church life. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. How many of you know that? Which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the Ark were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and a stone tablet of the covenant. This was in the Ark. Above the Ark were cherubims of divine glory, whose wings stretched out over the ark's covering, the place of atonement, which was called the mercy seat. Now listen to what he says here. We cannot explain these things in detail now. In other words, those things meant something. They meant something. And for you and I, it needs to be understood. Therefore, we're going to take time this next mini-series to explain these things. How many of you want to learn about these things? This is your Jewish heritage, by the way. If you're a believer, you have Jewish blood if you have Jesus' spirit inside of you. All the believers just, somebody give me a golf clap or something. If, if you have Jesus in your life and the blood of Jesus, the spirit of God, you have a Jewish heritage. Which is why the next semester we're going to be teaching about your spiritual DNA and why you're a child of God. You don't, most people don't even know. You've got promises that have been handed down to you for, for ages because of Jesus. So get ready for that. It's an exciting time. There are so many things to explain. They mean something. And for us as believers, we have to know our Jewish roots. We are spiritual Jews. There's now no more Jew nor Greek, but one new man made up of both in Christ Jesus. When these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties. But only the high priest ever entered the most holy place. And once a year, he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people that committed in ignorance. Had committed in ignorance. By these regulations or practices that were there to refrain us, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open. As long as the tabernacle and the system in it represented were still in use. In other words... By the Spirit of God is what the Hebrew writer is telling us, has showed us that because the veil was there and these systems were in operation by the laws and the rituals, it showed us that the old system was in place and the new one hadn't been fulfilled. Jesus Christ fulfilled every part of this blueprint of plan Talking, talking about the temple. 
he became the high priest. And he fulfilled every part of the blueprint when you study the tabernacle by his blood, his death, his burial, and the resurrection power. And he became high priest. But listen to this. This is an illustration pointing to the present time. This was something that meant something now. Back then, it represented something, but now it was to tell us about the time now. For the gifts and the sacrifices of the priests offered are not able to cleanse the conscience of the people who bring them. For that old system deals only with food and drink and various, various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until the better system could be established. Everyone say a better system. God had something better in mind, but that old system represented something. So here's what it all, all of that meant. So Christ has now become high priest over all the good things that have come and entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which is not made by human hands, not part of a creative, is not part of this creative world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats, calves, he entered the most holy place once and for all, secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a young goat cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial, ceremonial impurities. Just think, here it is, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds. Why? So that we can worship the living God. So that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. What I'm fixing to show you in the scripture is the secret to what literally happened at Calvary that opened the door for you and I to go past the veil where only the high priests were allowed to enter. And I'm going to show you how the high priest is Jesus, or synonymously, the Holy Spirit. Now we as priests interact with the high priest and have been allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies. This is what you call praying in the Spirit. I just told you my whole sermon. Now I'm going to teach it to you, then I'm going to tell you again. I've told it to you three times already. I'm going to say it another three times. Someone say in Jesus' name, Lord, let this make sense to me today. Open my mind. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them there's benefits to praying in the Spirit, and you can be seated. I know that sounded complicated a little bit, but it's going to make sense. All I just read you from the perspective of the writer of the book of Hebrews was the tabernacle blueprint. The holy of holies, the veil, the holy place. And because of the blood of Jesus, what Jesus did for you and I. Did you know that when they brought the animal sacrifices to the temple, that the animals 
had to be killed outside the gate. The animals were killed outside the gate. Then they were offered the blood, and they had to get rid of the body outside of the gate as well. This was a type of that would happen in the life of Jesus. This is why in Jerusalem, when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified outside the city gates. But then at his resurrection, as he ascended up into the heavens in bodily form, he took the blood. He took his blood into the holy of holies as high priest once and for all. Then he poured his spirit out and gave us the ability to commune with him. In other words, he put his spirit not in a box, but in our hearts. What was in the Ark of the Covenant, and you're going to learn this next week, in the weeks to come, those articles, those three things that were in the Ark of the Covenant had symbolism and meaning to what was in the Spirit or in the Holy Ghost. When we interact with God, the first thing I'll show you is that He became high priest. As the Spirit of God, He interacts with us. This is what the rod of Aaron represented. Aaron was the first high priest. How Aaron was chosen was other men wanted that position, but God had them put sticks in the meeting place. And then overnight, they walked back into the place where God was, and it was Aaron's rod that blossomed out of the almond branch, signifying that he would be the first high priest. Isn't it something that God took that blossomed rod, put it in the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the Spirit of God, as a future notion and prophetic way of telling us that we would have access to the high priest through the Holy Ghost. Did you catch that? You, I, I, I'm going to tell you today you came for some ribeye, maybe some wagyu. I don't know. It depends on how I serve it. But with God's help, it could be good if you just open your mind. You have to understand the very fundamentals of worship from a Jewish perspective to understand the validity of why we do what we do and how. Most people just go into prayer many times not understanding how we have this privilege to have interaction with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. But there's evidence of this found in the Scripture. I want to show you something right here. Actually, I want to read you something first. I want to read you Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. It says this. This was at the crucifixion at Mount Calvary. When he was there, then Jesus shouted again, out again. Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. Notice that when he shouted, he released his spirit. That means if you're ever going to release your heart to God or your spirit to God, you have to talk. And this way, Jesus gave up. It said that, it said that Jesus gave up the ghost. He chose to release it. But then the body cried out, my God, my God, why has that forsaken me? That was because the spirit was withdrawing from the body. So God did not die, but the body that God used died. 
So when somebody says God died on the cross, God did not die on the cross. You can't kill an eternal spirit. It was the body that God used. But that body represented something. And at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. From top to bottom, the earth shook. Rocks split apart. The tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women, and here's where some of us would have lost our mind, who had died were raised back from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection. It's like that gravitational pull of the spirit, resurrection power. When Jesus came out of the grave, he brought everybody with him. And this is what we don't hear about, that gravitational pull of the spirit. When Jesus came out, he brought everybody out with him. They went into the holy city in Jerusalem and appeared to many people. You wouldn't know what to do if your old grandma stepped up to your doorbell. <laughs> hit that ring button. <laughs> Mimi? Right? You wouldn't know what to do. Me, it's me. Been up. I'm hungry. It was a miraculous moment, and the whole city began to experience the resurrection power. This was the first resurrection. Huh. But there was something that happened that was a miracle, and everyone knew this was a miracle. See, at the time when Jesus spoke this, released his spirit, the body died simultaneously. The temple, and here's a picture of the de depiction of what actually happened. The temple curtain, the place that separated the most holy place to the holy place was ripped in two from top to bottom. This was no small Walmart curtain. This is what the historian Josephus wrote about in the historical books he said that this curtain was a Babylonian tapestry, a thick curtain made of woven many threads and many colors. It was 55 cubics high, which multiplied by 1.5 was about 80 feet by 20 feet. This was an 85-foot curtain by 20 foot in width. It separated what was in there from what was in the outside because of people who could literally die by entering into that domain and presence because they had not been chosen or called to come in. Only one person was. And for this reason, when you begin to read the scripture, You'll read closely Acts chapter 6. And most, we read over this because we read so fast. But that veil represented something that God was fixing to do under a new system of approach. And when he said it was finished and it was ripped into two, it was at the time of the evening sacrifice. 
which meant there were priests carrying out the ceremony respons- ceremonial responsibilities during that time, and they saw it happen. They saw it happen. They were in there performing the rituals and doing out what God had told them to do, and the earthquake came, and the, the, the curtain was stripped into two. <laughs> Can you imagine being there, walking up to light the candle, and all of a sudden, I don't, that was a horrible, horrible earthquake. That's better, right? I mean, the, the, the curtain just went, that was another horrible rip. It's like I ripped my pants, right? Can you imagine walking up to the candles and just like seeing the curtain rip in two? And you're like, no, not today, devil, not today. It's not my day today. Here, brother, brother. Here, brother. You like the candles. It's not my day today. I feel sick. I'm going to call in sick today. Can you imagine seeing this all transpire? You, you know what the scripture says about this? It says that many priests were converted because they saw this. Listen to what it says. It says that a great company of priests were obedient to the faith because they saw this happen. And it all made sense. The the ripping of the veil was an act of God that came in to prove that the fleshly part of humanity represented the veil that has always kept us out of the presence of God. I want to show you scripture to prove it. You're like, yeah, of course I want to see scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Remember, it's only by the blood. Even the high priest had to take blood into the most holy place. But Jesus took his blood in there one time. And by faith, by a new and living way, which he had consecrated for us. Say, he consecrated for me. Say it with me. He consecrated this moment for me. What does that mean, Pastor Bobby? What it means is, is that because of what he did, you have access now, access to the presence of God in the most holy place. He did it for you. Through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Did you catch that? I just gave you the answer. The veil that is his flesh. And now, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That means that now that represents water baptism. That's what the laver was. The laver was the washing of the priest to enter in with the clear conscience. So some of you who've not been water baptized, can I tell you, when you are water baptized, it's in act of a clear conscience towards God 
to enter into and preface to enter into the most holy place. It's the birth of the water and of the spirit in your life to enter into the kingdom of God. It is God's modus operandi that he chosen from the beginning of time going all the way back to the tabernacle that has allowed you and I to become a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. The only missing part was the veil kept us out. But when Jesus went to the cross and the body of Christ died on the cross, the veil was ripped into two. Because God was fixing to pour his spirit out in all flesh. And the spirit of God would no more dwell within a box. I don't care what your eschatological point of view is. God never intended his spirit to be in a box. He wanted his spirit to be in our hearts. And the one thing that kept us from having that kind of privilege was the veil. Only one person, you see, you have to understand, coming into the presence of God and filling him is a privilege. You can't take for granted what you feel in a church service or in home was only meant for one person called a high priest in the Old Testament. And this is why the Apostle Paul was so fanatic, I believe, who was the author of the book of Hebrews. That's my opinion. I believe when you read the entirety of the book of Hebrews, it is all about the worship and the temple and the system and the fulfillment of what Jesus did that would allow you and I to enter into the kingdom of God or the presence of God or the holy of holies. Which, by the way, write this down. Holy of holies is synonymous with Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, kingdom of God, spirit of Christ. It's all synonymous. The reason why it's synonymous because the spirit of God isn't divided up like a culinary dish. The Spirit of God is one. And how the Spirit of God interacts in our lives will determine our perspective and understanding, but it's still the Spirit of God. And the reason why the Holy Ghost is called the Holy Ghost is because, number one, God is holy, and He's a spirit. And you can say Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, it doesn't matter. But the reason why it's called the Spirit of Christ because that same Spirit that was in Christ was now poured out on all flesh. Because that was in Christ, the Holy Spirit. And the reason why the Holy Spirit is God is because the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Ah, don't get me crazy. I'm just, I want to confuse you. You want to be confused about who God is. I'm just going to tell you. If, if, keep it simple. God is God. He can do what he wants, how he wants, when he wants. It was the Holy Ghost that overshadowed Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Ghost. I thought he was the Son of God. He was. God was the Holy Spirit. Duh. Keep it simple. God manifests himself in certain sundry ways in the Scripture. God right now 
is not only in South Texas and Victoria. He is in Chicago. He is in New York. He is in whatever time zone, whatever place. He is everywhere. And guess what? He's a personal savior to you, to you, to you, to you, to you, to you, to you. Every single one of you. Why? Because he's God. And he can answer your prayers individually. He can listen to you simultaneously. Why? Because he's God. All by himself. And God robed himself in human flesh, and we call him the Son of God. And this is why he forgave sin, and this is why Isaiah said, no one can forgive sin, only but God. Here's the point I'm trying to make to you. Jesus was more than just a man. Jesus was more than just a man. He was the son of God, but he was the very incarnate God in humanity. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And when grace and truth was broken on the cross, grace and truth tore down the veil. Opened up something to a whole New audience of people, both made up of both Jew and Gentile, barbarian and Greek, non-barbarian, sinners, saints, rich, poor, popular, unpopular, despised and loved. Didn't matter where you came from and who you were, all nations would be one to him. That veil was torn down for everybody. But everyone would enter into a holy place because what came out of that veil was a monumentous moment of God telling the world, I've just removed the barrier and I'm going to pour my spirit out. What was behind the curtain will now be in your heart and not just your heart. It will be in the heart of all flesh and people who desire it. Praying in the Spirit is entering into the Holy of Holies. Praying in the Spirit is when the high priest makes intercession through the priest. Praying in the Spirit is when the priest engages with the high priest. Praying in the Spirit is when the Spirit of God prays through your spirit. Praying in the Spirit, I'm telling you all different ways, the same thing, I'm telling you so many different ways. Praying in the Spirit is when your spirit is praying through the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is the Spirit giving you utterance and words, bypassing your brain. Because how many of you know we can mess up a lot of things when we think on our own? How many of you know that you don't even have the words sometimes, what to speak and how to speak them or what to say? Can I explain tongues to you really quickly and do not freak you out, help everybody understand? Some of you have prayed in the Spirit for many years and understand this experience. I don't want to shock anybody, but how many of you have ever had this experience? Raise your hand. Come on, raise them up high. Don't be ashamed. <laughs> You're surrounded. <laughs> Listen, what we teach is, is it's for everybody and you shouldn't be afraid of it. Because most people come to the cross, and that's acceptable because everybody's accepted it. Uh, and then we go to water baptism, the burial, because 
everybody's accepted it. But when it comes to the resurrection, power, we're scared of it because we don't teach about it because we're afraid we're going to lose people. I'm talking about pastors. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about me. We had to decide years ago whether we're going to believe this experience or we're going to just sidestep it so we don't offend people and we can get numbers. That's when church becomes a business. We didn't want to create a business, although we have business principles and organization and structure, but it has to be spirit-led. And we can't be afraid to accept everything God has for us. But if you're going to let people receive it, you have to teach it. Repeat this after me. Say, you have not because you teach not. That comes from the book of Rivera, just letting you know. You have not because you teach not. It's the same concept in your home. See, all of my kids are accustomed to praying in the spirit because we've been doing it since they were little. And we set an atmosphere in our home, and therefore, all of my kids at a very young age were tongue talkers praying in the spirit. That's why they were saved in high school, elementary, and middle school, junior high, at every level. It wasn't because we were good parents. It's because we introduced them to a good shepherd and taught them how to pray in the spirit. It is the Holy Ghost that kept them. You can raise children in this generation and then not be addicted to alcohol and drugs. You can raise children in this generation and not have them addicted to pornography. You can raise kids in this generation and them not be confused about their gender. You can't, I don't care who you are, I'm just telling you, you can raise any child in this generation with the help of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, to make them into the image of God and raise it. You can't do it by yourself. Religion won't do it. Just teaching them the word is not going to do it. They need the God of the word. They need what was behind the veil. And if we don't teach this and help people understand there's more, you're limiting your walk with God and you won't experience resurrection. See, resurrection is meant for things that are dead. How many people have dead circumstances? You need to see God raised back to life. How many of you have broken dreams, broken relationships that you think have been done away with? Not through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not through resurrection power, not through the power of God, not through praying in the spirit, not by the high priest making intercession for you, helping you know how to pray for things, helping you know how to deal with devils, helping you know how to pray for your children. When you start praying in the spirit, it is God praying through you. The only thing that can stop you is you allow the veil to come back in your mind. Point number one, and the only point is this, the veil must remain down. The veil must remain down. You can live for God and have an experience, but allow carnality or flesh to cover your thinking process and go away from God. It has happened. It's, we talk about it from the scripture. We read about it in the scripture. Many believers who once had an experience, I believe, were swayed differently because of peer pressure, frustration, or they're not living in the promises of God. Therefore, they don't see fulfillment on everything that they feel God has for them. The reason why is because they've never allowed the presence of God to take dominion in their life. See, 
let me review really quickly what we have learned throughout the year. Based on the worship that happened in the temple, that set the success for any of the cities and the tribes of Israel. Based on that, whatever happened in that temple. When they worshiped God correctly, when they were free from sin, when they worshiped and made him God and Lord of all and didn't worship idols, didn't break the commandments, the favor of God came upon them and there wasn't one of the enemies around them that could overtake them. But when they failed and they worshiped idols and they were disobedient and they did not worship according to what God had told them, then they succumbed to captivity. And this is why they lost the Ark of the Covenant. This is why they went into Babylonian captivity. All throughout the Old Testament, you'll find this. But this time, Jesus said, that's not going to happen again. Because if I put my spirit in their hearts instead of a box, and if I build the temple and make them the temple, then they can take me anywhere they want to go. And if one falls, doesn't mean everybody else has to fall. So once we stand together, we become even better and even stronger. But when everybody learns who they are and what it takes to stay in my presence, they'll be determined to keep the veil down. I'm going to read you something that makes sense of this. 2 Corinthians 3. This is Bible, and I want to show you the first glory. The first time the glory of God appeared was to Moses. Watch this. Then it appeared in the tabernacle and then the temple. But watch this, 2 Corinthians 3, 10. In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. In other words, what Moses had and what Moses experienced was nothing compared to what we can experience. There's more. Turn to somebody and tell them God has more. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them God has so much more. If you think your life is okay now, okay is the enemy to great. And even great is the enemy to blessed and favored by God. It can always be better. In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new. So if the old way, which had been replaced, with, was glorious, if the old way, which had been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We're not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory. That was the first glory. God proved it the first time through Moses. And so what Moses had to do, he put a veil on his face to retain the glory so they wouldn't see it, even though it was destined to fade away anyways. But the people's minds, watch this now, the people's minds were hardened. To this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. It is happening still today with people, even Israel. When you mention the Messiah and that he was the fulfillment of the high priest coming into our lives and the Spirit of God is being poured out, not kept behind a veil, they're still stuck in the old ways. When you mention to people who have no Jewish roots and explain this to them, they think you're crazy. But Jesus came 
to fulfill everything, to bring the fundamentals. And that's what we're trying to teach you. See, again, I'll say it again, because we think of church as being starched, coming in for worship, hearing a message, going home to eat, falling asleep for the rest of the day. And then repeat on next Sunday. When we're supposed to come to the church to learn how to not go through the motions of church, but to become the church to see God in motion. You are now the tabernacle and the temple of God. And the spirit of God dwells inside of you. But if you're not careful, you become religious and set on old ways. The veil will be put on and reestablished. Watch this. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds. So they cannot understand the truth. And this veil, watch this, and this veil, read it with me, and this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil. And they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, I'm not quite sure how you think things ought to go, but right about there, somebody should have shouted right there and said, Hallelujah. Praise God. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, has anyone been turned to the Lord? Has he come into your life? Listen to this. The veil is taken away. I don't know if you understand the concept here, but you can be lost with the veil on your face. But if the veil is taken off, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Watch this. So all of us, say all of us, who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image oh my god how many of you are getting this this sunday morning would you like for me to give you practical insights to keep the veil down how many of you would like to receive some practical insights i'm going to show you some things that god has given me over the years and i think can be applicable to you i want to i want you to look at this this is how you keep the veil down you stay, in other words, you keep the carnality out of your life and keep the Spirit of God free. Have a flow. If you want these notes, you can go to the, web, uh, to the app and download the notes and print them off at home, or you can take a picture. It's up to you. If you're taking pictures, wait. <laughs> My stance. My, oh, this is my good side. Are you ready? Number one, 
listen to God's word every day. The reason why I say listen, what you and I have to understand is not everybody had the privilege of having a Bible, not even in the New Testament. Bibles weren't printed out until centuries later. So what they would do, they would have to go to the temple to hear the word, the Old Testament. The writings of the epistles were written by the apostles to the churches they started in the book of Acts. And that's what we got copies today. And all of those letters are as interpretations of the Old Testament to help the church. And instruction that God has given them by conviction, by the Holy Spirit and wisdom. That's why many times you'll find it in the scripture. If you want evidence for this, look and write down Luke chapter. I've written, again, this is many times you've heard this. Go read the end of the Great Commission for the Apostles and the biographies of Jesus called the Gospels. Luke chapter 24, verses 45 through 49 will tell you. He opened up their understanding that they may understand the Scriptures, but Moses, the prophets, the law, and the poets wrote concerning him. Old Testament, that doesn't mean you don't read the New Testament. The New Testament has revelation. Here's the point. The way they learned it was by listening. I listen to the audio Bible more than I read. Because of the time and the schedule that we have now, it's very difficult to stay focused at times. So I will listen to the audio Bible. The audio Bible, you can go through an entire book in one day. By sitting down, then you can go into your app or your written Bible and review what you just read and go in depth. That's the way I do it. It's a lot more in line with how they did it back then. Listening is everything. If you're a visual learner, then go back and listen. But I always put listening to God's word because how many times have we had an excuse and said, I haven't had time to read my Bible how many of you have, okay, don't raise your hand. How many of you have your Bible collecting dust right now because it hasn't been read? Well, audio Bible is the best thing to use now. Just put it on. Listen. Retain it. Memorize it. If you want to memorize something, go back to the book, find it, and then memorize it. But get the Word of God inside of you. How many of you can understand that? Audio Bibles. Audio learning is good. I don't care what anyone else says. It has worked for me for years and has been helpful and has helped me have revelation. It's helped me have insight because I'm able to get all of it. Remember, the Bible has been divided up into chapters and verses, but it's one whole letter. Number two, surround yourself with worship music all day. And I say all day because we have electronics now. You can do that no matter where you're at, no matter what location of what your environment is they've got earbuds now they've got earpieces you've got all kinds of stuff to play your own music you can listen it to your on your own phone we talked about it this morning we're going to put it on the riverside are you going to put it on the on the actual fan page or the community page both we're going to put it on both i think that's what she said a playlist of music how many of you need a playlist of worship music raise your hands we're going to put that on there for you sometime this week or today. I don't know when. You can download it, have a playlist of worship music to sustain you. Worship music, it keeps the spirit of God in your spirit, man, edified. What kills it, 
I'm just going to tell you, say it. You ready? Country music is the most depressing thing I have ever heard in my life. I know we got a bunch of country bunkers in here. I, I get that. I get that. Cumbias turn you into cochinas. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> Scare me. <laughs> Scare me. You know, if I, if I say something right or wrong. I just want to tell you the truth. The music you listen to will affect you. Can you imagine Jesus listening to heavy metal? Like, what? I mean, you, I'm just being honest with you. Some of you listen to heavy metal, and the Holy Ghost is like chalk board, fingernails going across it. That's why you're not growing. You're listening to the wrong stuff. The Holy Ghost, you want to know what the Holy Ghost likes? Put on the music and see if you can feel them. Whatever the Holy Ghost likes is what you need to listen to and watch and taste and drink. Which leads to my next one. Find pleasure in worship. That's why you don't listen to worship because you haven't found it pleasurable. I know what I just said, some of you just ignored and let it go over your head like a ham sandwich at a bar mitzvah. But I want to tell you right now that it matters. It's affecting your house. This is why most people have the veil and they don't understand it and they don't receive it. Because the veil is up. And when you try to talk to them, it's pride, tradition, arrogance, ego. It's killing you. And you're losing life in your family. And I say it as a friend. I'm a friend. And I'm just telling you, drop the veil. Find pleasure in worship. Find pleasure in worship. Allow it to hit your senses. Pray. Pray with heartfelt worship music. Notice how many times music is in there. Can I tell you why we put music? I put music three times in there like that. Because... Guess who was in charge of the music in heaven? And guess where he was cast down to? And guess what he's using to build an ungodly culture? He's using, what is our biggest enemy in the world today? The arts. Which makes sense. But when you learn how to find worship, Hell will take music to put the veil back up and move your heart away from him. There are different genres out there. There's no excuse now. We got all kinds of worship music now. But find the worship music that's heartfelt. Pray to it. Here's a secret God gave me years ago, and I'm telling you this will help you so much. If you want to grow in your prayer life, how many of you want to grow in your prayer life and pray in the spirit longer? Can I tell you how you do it? Here's how you do it. First of all, you listen to the word of God. Secondly, pray to worship music that you can feel that's intimate with God. And as you begin to enter into his gates, I'm going to get ahead of myself for next week or so. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. The Holy Spirit calls you in to the holy of holies. The tabernacle was a type of prayer blueprint. That's, I'm getting ahead. But when you pray in the spirit, the worship music has to be anointed. 
will carry your tongues and you can pray longer and you condition your spirit to stay in his presence longer. And you don't stop praying when you get a good idea or remember what you got to do on your to-do list. Hello, somebody. Number five, focus on one day at a time. Get one day down and learn how you did it and do it again. And then once you did it again, do it again. Then do it again. Some of you do this already through your discipline habits, through health and fitness, or your studies. You've learned how to discipline yourself. If we can learn this to apply to worship and giving God our first fruits, it'll change your world. It will change everything in your family. Here's what you have to do to do that. Put time with God in your daily calendar at least two to three times a day. You may not be able to meet that second time. You may be only able to meet the morning and the evening. But put God in your calendar. Highlight it. Make that moment sacred. Here's the spiritual secret to this. Ready? It's important to God the time you have set aside for him, and he'll protect it. Remember Martha and Mary? Martha thought she knew what Jesus wanted and told on Mary and said she's not helping her. But Mary was waiting on Jesus to see what he wanted. Then Jesus said to Martha, Mary has chosen the good part and no one's going to take it from her. He'll protect your consecration if you'll put him in your schedule despise everything going on around you. Not saying don't be responsible. I'm saying time spent with God is time well spent, and he will guard you and protect that moment for you. It's holy. It's holy. And here's the last one, and this is, I'm going to say something in just a moment you're going to want to write down, and then we're, and then we're ending. Come on, Haley, wherever you're at. Carry your cross, carrying our cross, our self-denial. Watch this. If it took Jesus dying on the cross to rip down the veil, it's going to take us carrying our cross to keep it down. If it took Jesus dying, denying himself on the cross to tear the veil down in our minds and opening that to our lives, to give us presence with him, it's going to take carrying the cross to keep the presence there. A selfish life will bring the veil back up. A selfless life, which really essentially is just serving others, loving God, serving God and loving others, will keep the veil open. This is where the anointing flows. Here's what I want to close with. I'm going to close with this. The secret to praying in the Spirit is to keep the veil down and let nothing come between us and our high priest. Nothing. It's a sacred moment. As you stand to your feet, I want you to listen to this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. How many of you got something from today? How many of you understand now the privilege of why we're able to go into the presence of God? How many of you understand now it's not just... Okay, we go in and we pray and we've been forgiven. No, 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 no. It's a privilege that was head aside, set aside for one person throughout the centuries. Now God's opened it up to everybody. Don't take it for granted. 
So then, Hebrews chapter 4, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he has faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it most. There's a boldness that we have because of this. When you understand this, there's a boldness. But I want you to recognize right here in this scripture, it said, come to the throne first to receive mercy, then God gives you grace. You see, we think I got to have it all together before I go into the presence of God. When God says, hey, come in and I'll put it together. Then I'll give you grace in the time that you need it. Don't let failures or, or mistakes or thoughts stop you from entering in. That's when you have to enter in. And the Spirit of God will enable you to acknowledge things and repent of things and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Or Lord, forgive me. And the blood covers it. And then he'll give you grace, the power of God to fulfill the purpose he's called you to fulfill God has more for you. Are there any priests in the building here today that have had the veil and saw the veil? I remember when God took the veil down from my mind. I'll never forget. I'll never forget when God baptized me with the Holy Ghost. There was a veil that was torn off of my mind. My brother had been trying to win me to the Lord for a year or so. He'd been telling me about, there's a spirit baptism about, there's a spirit baptism, there's water baptism, you got to be baptized. I was raised in the Catholic church. I was raised as a kid. I was sprinkled when I was little. I didn't understand anything. He was telling me about going in a bucket of water, going under. I said, I'm not getting wet. I've already been baptized. Why do I need that? He said, well, well Bobby, he said, man, you, there's, there's the Holy Ghost. I said, ghost? But I don't need no ghost. I ain't looking for no ghost. I ain't scared of no ghost either, but still. I didn't know what that meant. Then there's the blood of Jesus. I said, blood? You got to remember, if you've never heard of this, it can be scary to sometimes to people to hear about the blood. But I'll never forget the service that I was in. And God moved. And he touched my heart. Something compelled me to go to the front. And I just started worshiping. And genuinely, I said, Lord, forgive me. I love you and I need you. And as I was talking, it wasn't here. Here, something came out of me. And I started to speak in other tongues. And as I was speaking, I didn't know what I was saying. But I felt things being cleansed. I felt me feel the love of God. I started to have different affections and emotions for him. And I started to feel something different. And I didn't want to stop. But when I did, we sat down for lunch after church. And he says, how do you feel? And he said, remember what I was telling you? And it came to my mind. Everything he had been trying to tell me. And I started to tell him. And I had revelation, understanding. And I was telling him everything. I said, I get it now. This is what you meant. I was actually correcting him. I said, what you meant to say was this and this and this. I couldn't even read. When I was in high school, I did not want the teacher to call on me to read out loud. Because it was bad and choppy. 
But when God filled me with his spirit and I started to read the Bible, he made me fluent. I couldn't speak in front of people, but there was an anointing come into my life that changed me. I got to tell one more of myself, one more. I just got to tell you the transformation. You see, when I was in the world, I used to drink. I wasn't raised in church. I'm not proud of that. I used to get high and used to drink. I was not raised in church. When I was 16 or 17, I would get wasted. And at parties, I would stand on top of tables and I would make everybody laugh. And start talking out loud. But when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, I learned how to get drunk in the Spirit and filled with His presence. Here I am. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know how I got up here, but I'm up here, and I don't belong up here. But one day, God touched me. He filled me, and here I am. That don't make sense sometimes, but I feel good when I say it because God is real. God is real. The veil has been torn in two, and now we're able to enter in. I'm trying to tell you that there are people in here with callings in your life, with assignments, destinations, and there's nothing that can stop it. Only your own thinking. But if you'll press into the presence of God, God will begin to anoint you, use you, and elevate you, and take you to a new place. Will somebody just press in and commune with the high priest? Come on, somebody, lift your voice, pray in the Spirit. If you want to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, just lift your hands right now and surrender to the presence of God. Come on, as they begin to sing, just surrender right now. In the name of Jesus, right now, right here, today, we ask you, dear God, to have your way. Have your way in this house. Have your way in this place. We worship you today. We worship you today, dear God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now that every person here that's hungry for the presence of God, just remove every barrier. And God, let them be filled. Let them be filled right now. Let them be filled right now. Right now. Right now, let every heart feel by faith that every person open their mouth and receive. Open their mouth. Open their mouth and receive. Open their mouth and receive. Open their mouth and receive. Let it out. Let your voice be heard. Just start telling him, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Come on, let's worship. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.